This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Good to see you guys at church today. Honored to be able to deliver the Word of God to you. Uh, The Word of God is the most precious thing in my life. A close second is Kelly and the kiddos. That the Word of God is the most important thing in my life. And I'm honored to be able to deliver that to you every single time I'm up here. It is a a, a huge honor. We're going to get to week two of New Threads here in just a second. But I did want to recap a little bit for you. Last week was a busy week at your church. Uh, Last Sunday... We had the back-to-school blessing. If you were able to be here at church, it was an incredible Sunday, wasn't it? Wasn't it just an amazing day? We got to to give gifts to and pray over almost 60 teachers and faculty uh, and over 110-something kids that were up here. Um, And we prayed blessings of protection and, and, and put them in the right rooms at the right time with the right friends and get them around the right people and just prayed for them and their, and their next season of school. And that was amazing. And we had the principal of this school and Schlather Intermediate, Ms. Bristow and Ms. Ross were here and they were able to pray over their teachers and faculty. And it was amazing watching principals pray over their schools and their teachers. It was just incredible. Uh, and so if you're able to be a part of that, so glad that you were here. If you missed it, go watch it online. Um, it was an amazing day. And then that night, um, we had growth track. You heard about it on the video announcements. We had growth track that night, and we do that once a month currently. Uh, and that night um, was incredible. Um, we had 22 adults and 14 kids at growth track, uh, people joining the church last week. So it was an incredible day. Um, it was awesome. So if you want to make the next growth track Uh, in September. That's coming up in a few weeks. And then last week we started our brand new series called New Threads. Everybody say new threads. Everybody loves getting new clothes. We may not like shopping for them, but we love getting new clothes. And and it was an amazing study through the book of Colossians to get to this series. And it's from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 specifically. And so we all have seasons of life where we're wearing things that match that current season that we're in. For example, if you were a 70s kid, you were a 70s kid, then you were totally used to seeing platform shoes and bell bottoms and letting that chest hair fly. You were just used to seeing that. Uh, If you were a 90s kid, then you were used to windsuits and MC Hammer and Big Willie style and and bleach denim and everything was teal and pink. You were used to these things. And I don't mention the 80s because we've all forgotten it. So it's like we move forward. But there, there are some specific seasons of life where what we're wearing and how we're behaving matches that current season we're in. And it's totally fine. And I showed you guys some pictures of some Jinkos, these skater, sh- skater shorts, skater pants I used to wear, uh, you know, as a kid. They were like this wide and looked like an idiot. And I wore them, um, and it was just the style. And, man, if I wore those today, none of y'all come back to church. You're like, that guy's got problems. But sometimes we're in those seasons, we're matching that season, and that's fine. But... Whatever season we're in, we have to know where we are. Here's where the series comes in. Here's a few truths. Some of us are stuck in a former season trying to dress like we're in a new one. So in other words, we're, we're 
not really alive to Christ yet. We're living in our old life, our old self, but trying to make it look like we're a new person. And so if you live around this area, if you've driven down Old Wiederstein, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. It's still bumpy. The potholes are still there. It just looks nicer to the naked eye, but it's still awful. And all God's people said, amen. We're like that. We just try to cover it up, patch it up, and then a rain comes, which that's water that falls from the sky. Um, But the rain comes, and um, we're back to square one. But some of us actually are made alive in Christ, but we're still trying to fit into the bell bottoms of yesterday. We're we're alive to Christ, but we're still trying to fit into our old friend groups, our old thought patterns, and that doesn't fit either, though. So where does this leave us? We talked about last week, our previous seasons of life are hard to let go of. Hard to let go of maybe certain experiences, friend groups, that time you invested in certain things, that money that was spent. These lifestyle changes can be difficult. They weren't meant to be easy. When our hearts are changed, though, when our hearts are becoming new in Christ, when our lives are truly saved by Jesus Christ, we need to be asking, what about my life needs to be adjusted, removed, or changed in order for me to prioritize Jesus, his church, and his plans? And you're thinking, now, Landon, hold up a minute. That's extreme. All I wanted to do was come to church. You talk about hope and love. Somebody hugs me, and I go home feeling a little bit better. And, uh, you know, but surely God knows, Landon, that I've got a life. Surely God knows that. You know, I used to think that too. I used to think that I, I tried to run my life. Maybe you can relate to this. I tried to run my life, and then disobey or not line my life up to the word of God and then ask God to bless my disobedience. And it didn't work out very well for me. Anybody else been there? We've all tried to do that before and then we wonder why we don't feel close to God Then we get mad at God for not feeling close to him. Then we give up on God and the church and everybody because it didn't work. And that's just not true because there's a part of our faith that you saw in the, the bumper video before I walked up here that there's a part of our faith that only God can do and there's a part of our faith that we have to do. And we're going to talk about that more here in just a minute. There, is, there are things that we have to do. And I used to live my life going back and forth, back and forth, and I ended up being left when I was in control, left in darkness, wandering around from emergency to emergency, paycheck to paycheck, stress to stress, small talk relationship to small talk relationship. No real friends to count on. It was just how's the weather kind of friends. But that doesn't get you through those really deep, dark seasons of life that we are all accustomed to and have walked through and you may be walking through even right now. It wasn't until Colossians chapter 3 hit me to the core that I began to find some peace and meaning for my every day. And I began to search out true friendships like Jesus talked about, the kind of friendships that James talks about. I began to search out true friendships, the, the kind that helped me know Jesus more, the kind that made me a better husband and a better father based on the word of God. When I was stuck in a former season trying to put new clothes on and they didn't fit And I tried some old clothes on, and those didn't fit either. And so I didn't know what to do. I was stuck. And maybe you feel that too. Maybe you feel like you're kind of stuck in that middle ground. Like you really do want Jesus. 
you really do believe that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross and rose from the dead three days later to pay for your sins so you didn't have to. Maybe you believe that and you know heaven's your home, but your life still looks like hell. Where's the gap and why is there a gap? It's okay to ask. God's not offended by your questions. He created your brain. He's not mad at you for asking questions and being smart. It's okay to ask. God, why do I feel this way? Why does my life look like hell and all I hear about is heaven, heaven, heaven? What is the deal? It's okay to ask and hopefully today I can bring some resolve to that a little bit. Paul saw uh, that his friends in the city of Colossae were feeling this way too. And they had gotten wrapped up in some things that maybe you and I can relate to. Here's the situation and why it's important. The context. Paul wrote a letter from jail. He was in jail for preaching the gospel. And while he's in jail, he's thinking about his friends that aren't in jail. I don't know about you, but if I was in jail, I'd be thinking about get me out of jail. But Paul is writing letters to his friends who are having a rough time. And he, he, his heart is broken for them. They were saying that they believed in Christ, but they began to uphold the tenets and the teachings of a lot of the Gnostics. It comes from the Greek word gnosko. It's this, this like, as I think, therefore I am kind of stuff. Well, Landon thinks a lot of stuff. Thank God I'm not what I think all the time. So that's, not, that's an unbiblical approach to life. Um, so you can't throw your way through all of this. There's actually biblical basis for our thought patterns. And Paul saw that they were believing that there was a truth that they could believe, that they were believing and feeling in the moment, and that truth then to the Gnostics and then put into the church in Colossae, that that thought pattern of truth is relative got into the church. And that your truth isn't my truth and my truth isn't your truth, and tomorrow my truth might change based on what I feel. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does that kind of feel like what we're living in? There was no absolute truth, and Paul's heart was broken, and then they began to wonder why their lives were in such pain. And Paul shares with them that they were building their lives based on their thought patterns and not the word of God, and then asking God to bless it and trying to sneak the gospel into their hurried, chaotic, frustrated lives. And they were struggling, and they didn't know why they had drank the Kool-Aid. We are living in that culture today. In this series, we're looking at a list of qualities that Paul tells the Colossians to put on like a pair of new clothes. And so let's read our key verse for this series, Colossians 3, 12. We're all going to read it out loud together. Ready? One, two. Ready? Read. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Now, that is our, our anchor verse for the series, and we're going to add a few corresponding verses to it as we go. But the New Living Translation says to clothe yourselves, to put on these clothes. The Colossians were trying to be alive to themselves and alive to Jesus at the same time. That, as we know from Scripture, is self-righteousness and double-mindedness, and we're all my Bible scholars in the room. A double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. It makes us unstable in everything. Our emotions, our mind, our relationships, our finances, our lives become unstable when we're trying to be alive to our own desires and alive to Christ at the same time. Paul addresses 
the first, uh, so Paul addresses that first before the qualities we just read together. Paul addresses that. Let's look at Colossians 3, 1 through 3. He told him, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life, because he's talking to people who have believed a lie, and he's basically given them an out. He's like, if you want to live in Christ, then here's what we got to do. If you don't, then leave. Paul was just that kind of dude. He said, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life, then act like it. Very nice. Paul said, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along with eyes to the ground, absorbed with all the junk on your phone. Look up, be alert to what is going on around Christ because that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ. He is your life. In the New American Standard, that's a paraphrase. The New American Standard is a word-for-word translation. It says, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your old life is hidden with Christ in God. This is what they had missed. They missed the fact that they were dead people, and they were trying to be alive to themselves, and it wasn't working it was frustrating things were hard and difficult and they couldn't get their life off the ground and they were wondering why the self-righteous worship of self and their ability to think and create their own truths was poisoning their relationship with others and with Christ they had believed the cultural lie that truth is relative and you get to make up whatever you want to be true on the day that you're feeling it in the moment And that is exactly our society today. We are Colossae part two. The truth is, based on the word of God, which is absolute truth, we are dead people. When we receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are dead to ourselves and alive in Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So if that's true and we believe that it is, we are alive to Christ only. And Christ and church is not an addition to our already chaotic lives. When we sell out to our new lives in Christ, purpose comes, meaning comes, joy comes. Every tool you need for every battle you'll ever face is now at your disposal. True relationships and friendships are there to help you get over every mountain and go through every valley when we sell out to Christ, but when we're not, when we're alive to our boss and alive to Jesus at the same time, when we're being, when we're being just hung out to dry because our values are out of order, but we know that our heart is being tugged towards Christ, Jesus cannot make you quit your job or get a better career or get a better friend group. He won't do that. He's not a dictator. You have free choice. True relationships and friendships are available to you. And Paul is telling them, there's a better way to live than what you're living. You guys have believed a lie. Paul lovingly tells them from their jail, his jail cell that they need to intentionally put on some things. One leg at a time. Big point from last week, remember, it said, God will not dress you. You are not a Barbie doll. God will not dress you. It says that God picked out the wardrobe and he's holding up the hanger. 
and said, these are the better things. Wear this. And it's not bell-bottoms from yesteryear. It's something that never goes out of style. Something that never goes out of style. It's the proverbial polo shirt. It's never going away. (laughs) Never. This will always be in style no matter what happens. But Jesus isn't like, okay, now one button at a time. No, No, you dress yourself. Jesus is not going to dress you. Jesus will not make you come to church. Jesus will not tithe for you. Jesus will not serve for you. Those are things we do on our own. He cannot and will not dress us. He chose the wardrobe, the best style that never goes out of style. And last week we talked about the first part of the wardrobe, which was deep soul level compassion. And in the King James Version, it was, it's called bowels of mercies. When I say it that way, it feels grosser, sorry. But bowels of mercies. You want to learn what that is? Go watch it um, or listen to it from last week. This week we're talking about kindness. Everybody say kindness. Kindness. Now most of us were taught at a young age to kill them with kindness. You've all heard it. We've all heard that, but how many of us actually live that way? Being kind to others is easy when they're treating you with said kindness. But what about when somebody bumps into your happy by cutting you off on the on-ramp on I-35? What about when a friend calls you to tell you they overheard something that someone else was saying about you? Where does kindness go then? What about when your kids are arguing with you for the 50th time that day? Where does kindness go then, mom and dad? (laughs) Colossians 3.12, chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress yourself in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Intentionally pull it out of the closet and one leg at a time put it on. Now we got to figure out how to do that. Let's look at the word kindness in the original language. Remember, I told you guys this a million times. English is a super limited language. Greek and Hebrew in which the Bible was written was incredibly expressive. So we have to take a trip to the Middle East to figure out what these guys are talking about. So let's look at the culture that they were in. Christates is the word we're looking at for kindness. Super weird looking word, but in English, we just translate it as kindness or goodness. We're like, oh, great. Well, Santa's good. People are kind. But what does it really mean? The root word for this word means to be excellent. I love this. In your demeanor, so you can be useful to other people. So kindness doesn't mean I'm good. I'm kind. Look at me. Look how kind I am, everybody. I am so kind. Look at me. No, it's to be excellent in your, say it out loud demeanor. Wow. Let's figure this out for a second. When I dug a little deeper, even in between services, I was, I geeked out a little more. So you guys are getting more than first service got. Don't tell them. But there are two different things. It's not on the screen. There are two different things. When it talks about, when Christates is talking about people, it literally means that they're good nature. They're good natured and you're an, you're an easy to bear kind of person. You ever been around somebody that not really easy to be around. 
Like, like maybe Thanksgiving's getting close, you're already getting anxious. Like you're going to have to see them. Like they're not easy to be around. Every time they're around, it's stressful. You can't say the right thing. You can't sit the right way. Not easy to be around. When it talks about things, it literally said it goes down easy. Are we the kind of people? It's like Christates, they're talking about. So when the, when the Greeks and Hebrews were talking about Christates, they're talking about that went down good. That kind of person. But have you ever been around somebody and they taste like Robitussin? And you're like, it burns, it hurts, doesn't work. You're like, this is not helpful. You and I have a choice here. Paul is saying this. Don't, don't miss what the original languages are saying. Paul is saying you are now dead to self and alive to Christ. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're in a process of becoming dead to yourself and alive to Christ. You're going to heaven. That's amazing. But if you're going to help others around you and be like Christ, we've got to stop being so selfish and put on kindness intentionally by means of a pleasant, approachable, helpful, loving demeanor that therefore makes you useful to those around you. You see, it isn't simple kindness like, hello, which would like raise the customer service level in our current society 100%. People would just say hello. <laughs> That's how far we've gone. We should all be that way because we're not jerks and we want to be good humans. But that's not even spiritual. So what is Jesus talking about? He's not talking about simple behavior modification. He's talking about the motive behind the behavior. The value system behind the behavior. Paul is talking about an intentional, excellent demeanor that shows those around us that there's something powerful inside of us driving this smile even though there's hell all around me. When we are truly dead people, this is much easier. It's much easier to smile when Christ is alive in you. But when we're trying to hold on to a decade past, a season's past, those bell bottoms of yesterday, when we're trying to hold on, we're missing everything God's doing, and now we're self-focused, self-realized, trying to hold on to something that would defined us back then. We become consumed with self. But back to the Greek word Paul used. Anyone who demonstrated Christates was considered to be gentle and sympathetic. Paul also used this word in the New Testament to depict God's character towards us. Now, there were other Greek words they could have used for the word kindness. Paul chose this one, and it talked about our demeanor that is being fueled by something else. We all know when someone's fake smiling. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. You know they're a liar. You know that. Their kid ran away. They don't have any gas money. They have no groceries. Foundations cracking at their house. They're like, I'm blessed. Cheerleader smiling your way through life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about cheerleader smiling your way through life. There is a, there's got to be something inside of us that drives the demeanor. One scholar said this, that when the word Christates is applied to our relationships, it carries the idea. Now hold on to your pants. It carries the idea of being adaptable to others before yourself. 
Here's what Rick Renner said, Greek scholar. He said, when we as believers in Jesus put on Christates, we are adaptable to the needs of others rather than harshly requiring everyone around us to adapt to our needs and whims and desires. I didn't like it either. But I'm being honest with you that this is, when we just blow through the Bible and just read through it, like, yeah, put on kindness, praise the Lord, I'll be kind. But when you dig into what they're actually saying, you're like, that's harder. That's deeper. You mean that now I've got to crucify myself and be adaptable to the needs of others even when they're not kind to me? This is so contrary to our flesh, to our flesh that says, excuse me. Whenever I hear the words excuse me, it's not usually in a nice way. Excuse me. If you don't like me the way I am, that's tough. This is the way I am, and if you don't like it, you can, proverbial 90s reference, talk to the hand. You can walk. Get to stepping. I'm not changing for nobody. If you don't like me for who I am, I am who I am. I ain't changing for nobody. I'm not changing for anyone. This is who I am. That's our culture today. That sounds familiar to you, doesn't it? That sounds like everyone on Twitter. I'm not changing for nobody. And this is, this is not up for debate. But the Bible is very clear about a fruit of the Spirit. One of them is kindness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The only way to get the fruit of the Spirit is to be connected to the Spirit. A branch cannot bear fruit apart from the tree. And so we have to ask, is there any fruit of kindness in our life? And if there's not, if we're more concerned about us than others, why? And dig into that and ask the Lord to help show us why. But when the Holy Spirit begins to produce kindness in us, your entire mode of thinking will change. It did for me. You'll begin to ask people, is there anything I can do for you? You'll begin to see people differently. You're not seeing people through the lenses of your overworked schedule. We're not seeing people through the lenses of our chaos. We're seeing people for people. What can I do for you? How can I be there for you? And when you become adaptable to meeting the needs of others, a supernatural work of God took place in your heart. It's a miracle. And you'll grow substantially in your spiritual walk as a result. And if this hasn't started in you yet, what better day to start producing the Christ-likeness of kindness than today? The other day I was at HEB, and I was kind of in a rush, maybe. Traffic at the shirts HEB is insane. And I had to park a million miles away. It was hot. You know, just all of the things that make humans angry. I was hungry. They shut down the barbecue restaurant inside there. So I was like, ugh. I was like, it just aggravated. Just get me in and get me in. I'm not one of these people that goes to H-E-B and I'm just like looking for friends. I'm going in there to get what I need. It's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a search and rescue, like extract and remove situation. Like the gallon of milk is the target. I'm getting in, I'm getting out. If you go in there, it's to the back left. You can escape lots of people by going through the baby aisle, go past the dog food, and you're done. I know how to do this. 
You're welcome. Don't go down the middle aisles. Everybody stops and talks there. Go around. There's, I, I'm here to help you. But this day, this was like two weeks ago. And it's always funny how God does this stuff to me when I'm writing messages for y'all. And so I'm like, I'm thinking about all this. I'm writing this message on compassion, writing this message on kindness. And then I get to the line and there's about four or five people in front of me. They're packed. Every, every station's open. It's still four or five people deep. And I get up to the belt and I'm putting all our stuff on the belt. And I could tell that the cashier was not okay, which is kind of odd for H-E-B, you know. I'm like, usually they're nice. And I was, I was just looking at her. And the landing in me was immediately like, how dare you? Am, am, am I not at H-E-B right now? No store does more. I was like, that was the landing in me. I was like, okay, all right. But then the Jesus in me saw her eyes. Something was wrong. This woman was in her 60s, maybe 70s. And I started to think about why does she have to work? Why is she here? And then I started like getting mad at her kids. Why do they let her work? I was like getting mad for all of I was. This is all happening so fast in my head. I'm just taking y'all on the slow journey. And so like, I'm like, I wish I could meet her son. <laughs> then I'm like on her team, not against her. Like it was very confusing. But <laughs> there's a couple people in front of me. And I get up there. I won't tell you her name because you guys would probably see her. And I, I got up there and, and I was like, are you not having a good day today? Because if I ask her, how are you doing today? She's going to say, Fine, you're all liars too. We all do it. <laughs> so I said, are you not having a good day today? I can tell you're upset. Also, hello. And then she, she was very honest with me. She said, no, my grandson is really sick. And he's in the hospital and I was sitting with him. I had to come to work anyway and got the impression that she couldn't miss work because she needed the money. And I just told her, I was like, tell me his name if you don't mind. She told me his name. And I said, can you let him know? I asked him how old she was. And, and so he's old enough to know, you know, be able to have a bunch of conversations. And I said, can you let him know some random dude at the cashier stand is gonna have hundreds of people praying for him today? And we're praying for you too. And I'm, I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks. I'm going to see if I can find you if you're working, and I'm going to check on him. And while we were talking, the guy was bagging the groceries real slow. <laughs> and I would just rather do some things myself. And so I had to keep the conversation going because, you know, we just got real close. And, he was, and I was like, okay, thank you. And I started helping get the, don't put the eggs under the dog food. I got it. You know, I was like. <laughs> but then I, I just told her, I was like, hey, you, you may not have a happy day today, but you're having a blessed day. Because for some reason, God put me in your line. And, and I just want you to know that we got your back. We care for you. The Landon in me wanted to rake her over the coals for not giving me the pleasant experience the billboard told me I'm supposed to have. But the Jesus in me said, stop being a jerk. I put you in this line for a reason. 
Are you following me? I don't do this perfectly all the time. I have a, a ridiculously high expectation for customer service, and it gets me in lots of trouble. And so the Landon in me wins more than he should. But the Jesus in me won that day for her. And that's part of who we are. We, if we don't put on kindness in those moments, what if I had gotten up there and raked her over the coals? What if I had gone to her manager and gotten her in trouble on the day she's wondering if her grandchild's gonna make it? What if I had gotten her fired? I don't know. All I know is I'm so glad Jesus wanted me that day. And I got to go to H-E-B again because we're out of food. And I'm going to go look for her. And there's going to be a lot of days in your life, you're going to need somebody to stop and ask. Because not everybody in this room is okay right now. Not everybody in this room is feeling blessed and highly favored, are you? Some of you are going through some things at home with your spouse that you haven't told anybody and you're devastated and you don't know what to do about it. And some of, some of you, you're wondering if your kid is even gonna be okay because they're acting so rebellious and you are worried sick. And God's not looking at you saying, buck up. He's not looking at you saying, rub some dirt on it. Quit crying, I'll give you something to cry about. It's not how he's acting like the same way that God puts you in certain cashier lines. God's putting people in your life to be Christates to you. And then we turn around and we're Christates to someone else. And people wanna know about the deep things of Christianity. Probably one of the deepest parts of Christianity is being Christates to someone who is being ticked off days to you. It's not Greek. <laughs> it's a Landonese. And that's hard. You have to literally create new neural pathways in your brain. You got to drive down new highways. So I've made this a game for me because I'm a very competitive individual and I like making things a competition, even if it's against myself makes life more fun. So when I'm going into stores, I, I intentionally look for someone who is not okay. And I'll make myself talk to them. We, well, that's weird. I don't know if they think it's weird or if it's helpful to them. It's not like we become best friends or I exchange numbers. I'm just, hey, I hope you're having a good day today. Can I get that off the top shelf for you? That's a gift I've got. I've really leaned into that spiritual gift. <laughs> Helped a lady the other day get this like decanter thing off the top shelf and I could tell she wasn't okay. I just wonder if we could just open our eyes. Open our eyes and see people the way they need to be seen. There's a couple of very fast very practical things. I always wanna leave you with something to sink your teeth into, something very practical. How do we put on kindness? Number one, choose to respond thoughtfully 
not recklessly, especially in conflict. Be thoughtful. Thank God I chose thoughtfulness that day and not conflict. Thank God I, the Holy Spirit in me was somewhere in there that came up for her. Respond thoughtfully. Don't pop off whatever comes to your mouth. Well, that's who I am. We're Italian. No one cares. You're American. No one cares. Choose to respond thoughtfully. Quit making excuses from your great-grandparents' mistakes. Be your own person and respond like Jesus, not like they did. Own it. Write the email out. Don't put their email address in yet. Leave the draft blank. Accidents happen. Wake up the next day and read it. Most will get deleted. Don't send that text. By the way, maturity lesson, real conversations never happen through texting. Ever. 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 There are no amount of emojis that could ever express the human heart. Number two, choose to regulate your thoughts towards solutions. Quit going around the horn about the problem. Regulate your thoughts. Stop ruminating and start regulating. Start thinking through those thoughts. Start, start, regu- start submitting them to Christ. It's hard at first, but when you breathe and you stop and you respond, rather than hold your breath thinking about your retort, everything changes. Philippians 4.8 says, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real and honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure, holy, merciful and kind and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God. This is the most successful when you fill your tank in the morning. We've also started something with our kids, might be helpful to you, a gratitude journal at night. And they've got like three things. We tell them like, think through three things. What, just today, the last 24 hours, what are you grateful for? And it's funny, cause they're little, something, you know. And so sometimes they're like, I'm, I'm grateful for Teddy, the hamster. I'm not <laughs> grateful for a rodent in my house. The other day, Leo said, I'm grateful for Fang Histopher, his new corn snake. So I have the devil in my house and a rodent. Um, I'm not grateful for those things. Just getting into, they might say goofy things, but they're learning. Maybe if you started a gratitude journal instead of looking through social media at everybody's fake lives and how yours doesn't measure up, you might sleep better. Number three, choose to reach out to somebody and be a friend this week. You reach out. Stop belly aching. They're not reaching out to you. You reach out. Be mature. You reach out. And be a friend. Be a friend. 
intentionally reach out. Have them over to play apples to apples and eat barbecue. No one says no to that, ever. Easiest game ever, and it's barbecue. Enjoy people. Reach out to them. That's an act of kindness. Are you, so are you stuck in a former season? You're trying to wear old clothes that don't fit? Are, what, where are we? Because God told us to live this new life of love, and he's lovingly shown us today through his word what we need to put on. And now your antennas are up, and you're going to be around so many unkind people this week. And you're going to be like, oh. And don't look at them and go, I'm choosing kindness for Jesus. And I rebuke you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Choose this week to be excellent in your demeanor. And it's not fake when you are choosing to be excellent in your demeanor because it comes from inside of you because you're alive to Christ. It's literally like lifting weights. You're getting used to something you may not be used to yet. Remember we talked about last week. When you put on skinny jeans for the first time, you feel restricted. Nobody is is comfortable in them at first. When you're putting on new clothes, nobody's comfortable in it at first. But then it becomes the ones you want to wear all the time. Try it on this week. See how it fits. Try it on. Choose this week to put on new threads. Look at the response time questions. This is how we end our service every week. If you were here last Sunday, we didn't get to have a response time because we did the back to school blessing, which was amazing. But this is how we normally do our service order. We end the service, the band's gonna sing a little bit and they're, they're really beautiful background noise for us while we're responding. And then when you're done thinking about it and responding, getting prayer, then they're gonna finish out leading us through that song. But here's the questions. What are you intentionally putting on that doesn't match who you are in Christ? What are you putting on? That's not who you are in Jesus, but they're old clothes. You're putting on bell bottoms. What is that? Number two, who do you need to ask for forgiveness from? For your selfish behavior and your harsh words. Number three, where can you put on adaptability this week? Those are gonna stay up on the screen and the, the words to the songs will come up over it. But those three questions will stay up on the screen for you so you can think through it and respond to it. There are two tables there, two tables here. There's communion at both tables, communion cups at, at all four tables. There are response cards that says, what is God saying to me and what am I gonna do about it this week? And there are prayer partners that are gonna be at the back of the room. So there are three ways to respond. We, we just say respond somehow. Respond somehow. If you're going through something, there were some people here at first service that are going through some things that are so tough and so deep. We talked to them about some of these things. People are going through real stuff. Maybe you're one of them. You're going through something and it's, it's hard. Go let them pray for you. Let them pray for you today. Take communion. You're not joining the church. Communion's not between you or a church. It's literally just a reminder of the blood of Jesus and the body of Christ that that makes you not have to pay for your own sin. Jesus paid it all. It's just between you and him. And there's cards there on how to take communion if you've never taken it in that way. Everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to the word of God today and being attentive. 
After I'm done praying for you for this response time, you're free to respond. And then Kelly and I'll come up in a couple of minutes and we'll end the service with you, okay? So Father, we just say thank you for your word. We say thank you for speaking to us. And God, that you spoke through Paul's letter to the Colossians to us today. We are living in Colossae part two. And God, we just lay down our own thoughts of what we think is right. And we lay down our own bent to get people to get what they deserve. And God, help us put on kindness this week, one leg at a time. Help us put it on and, and, and have our face show the transformation that you're doing in our hearts. And speak to us now in these next couple of minutes. Lord, speak and speak clearly to them. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to respond now. We'll come up and end the service in a moment. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.